This is the Soulfully Casual Podcast hosted by Matty Ice. And now, your host, Matty Ice. That would usually mean that you're going to tune into a new Marvel series or movie or something extremely epic. But instead, you're tuning into the Soulfully Casual podcast with Matty Ice. Uh, viewers, listeners, whatever, uh, I owe you an apology. Uh, it's been, oh gosh, about a month since Mike and I promised a epic conclusion to our chat about the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. And here we are, um, having not done that for you. So, I think it's time to do that. I have brought Mike back along with me for his literal last car ride um, on this epic adventure of ours. And um, how you doing, my friend? I am doing really awesome. Uh, I'm a little at a loss. I mean, there's no Marvel show to watch on Fridays for a little while, so it's uh, it's kind of weird. We will get to that because I think we have plenty of stuff to sink our teeth into. However, uh, so it's been a while since we've both watched the uh the the conclusion to falcon and winter soldier so it was six episodes of a pretty intense stuff uh we had been liking more and more every single episode and scene as we were going along so uh how was the finale for you uh in terms of a conclusion to that six episode uh epic you know i i thought it was a really really well done finale um and i think if it if they don't do another show that's okay because i think they summed up exactly where they need to go with that mini series if you will i mean what do we get let's see uh oh yeah a new captain america cool and it was the guy who was supposed to be captain america and oh guess what he also acts like captain america is supposed to act uh we saw bucky kind of coming to terms with himself and becoming uh kind of comfortable with who he is and finally getting kind of a family back again after his loss of steve and and, and everything else um you saw, I thought, a little redemption even for the, for uh, for Wyatt Russell's character for U.S. Agent as being, well, maybe he's not the worst guy on the planet. Um, and I think you built up a little bit of a of a an enemy for you know the good guys, if you will, in the Marvel universe as we move forward into Phase Four. So I don't think he could have done it any better. It, it was really good. They certainly left a lot open to interpretation, in my view. Um, you know, there was a lot of character. There was a lot of characters that were left, um, you know, for dead at the end of the, the second to last episode. And and you're right, there was a lot of redemption. There was a lot for the future. Uh, but it wasn't as if it was such a, an, a finite conclusion the way WandaVision was, where you kind of knew, okay, this felt like an origin movie in an, to an extent. So now her character can kind of go off and do whatever she'd like. Now, this is a little nebulous because, yes, we do have Captain America. Um, I would actually hypothesize that there are numerous questions about captain america even so like we know who the person is we know the concept is still the same uh, but we really didn't get to a sense of how is it going to go on a global uh 
acceptance scale. You know what I mean? Like even still at the end, that's you know that that monologue that he had was still very much uh, tells you that there's there's probably still something left to um, to sort of I don't want to say be desired, but the American uh, public accepting Captain America as not Steve Rogers, I think, is still something that could be a storyline whenever Captain America decides to come back in the Marvel Universe. You know what I mean? Yeah, I could see that, especially. Um, I think the acceptance is there to a degree, but you're right. It's still different. It's not Steve Rogers. And so, yeah, I mean, it's. I, I can imagine that's going to be part of the story. Yeah, if they are, I heard they're going to make a Captain America 4, which would be uh, with Sam as Captain America. I think that would be interesting. I'm sure that's something that they could delve into, whether it be in that movie or in one of the other Marvel projects that links all this stuff together. Yeah. And I think uh, the whole uh, the whole uh, Wyatt Russell's character, I can't remember his name right now. I'm slipping a lot. I had, I had, I had a couple of things come up where I had to present. Today, John Walker. So like, yeah, there you go. Uh, I, I do think that there was a redemption there. However, again, they left open up the possibility of this sort of uh you know like anti-hero slash possibly villainous sort of group they 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 left it open which i thought was brilliant like i swear um julia, julia louis dreyfus's uh presence in the show extremely small <laughs> but extremely effective because her oh what if i planned that i'm not saying i did but what if i did or you know whatever yeah. it is that she said very so good. well done i agree yeah very good so they left open a lot um, you know, I, again, I think because of it, of the nature of it being an action uh, series, the the finale was very action movie. You know, there wasn't as yep. much of the the deep thought, uh, you know, nuanced storytelling because that's kind of the way that it works. You get that in the middle, and then at the end, you have this finite ass kicking, uh, you know, uh, epic, so to speak. Um, but ultimately I thought that they did a really good job. So a couple things I wanted to, to ask you about, um, the Isaiah stuff at the end, you and I both felt very similarly in the moment about its powerful nature. Uh, but I did see a lot of rhetoric on Twitter that for a large pop, large portion of black America, it sort of was eye rolling because, you know, they thought, well, we've been put in museums before, but nothing has really changed on a global scale. And, you know, do you feel like... I mean, I can I can understand that, you know, because again, we've talked about how you know, depending on your state of uh, you know existence, there is a different lens that you look at things through. So what you and I see as something powerful may not come across the same way to somebody who's maybe experienced something different. But I still felt that it was well done in the context of the story to have him recognized when he had been essentially dead for thirty years. I thought that was a really well uh, put together scene that seemed realistic and also, again, worked for the story, not necessarily for America as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm not a black man in America, so I can't tell you from that perspective at all. Um, I mean, I could I could say from the perspective, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a nihilistic view though, in my opinion, if, if your view of that is, eh, it doesn't matter, we're screwed. Uh, I think that's exactly the view that, that uh, Sam was kind of projecting against. You know, that's what that's exactly what Isaiah was saying was nothing matters. Uh, nothing can ever change. It's always going to be shit. Um, I think Sam said, well, that doesn't mean you don't fight for something better. And you have to start somewhere. And if that means putting someone in a museum is at least a step in a direction that, that causes recognition of 
something beyond what you may have thought was true in the first place. So from that perspective, from the white dude who probably shouldn't have the, who doesn't get really the opinion, uh, that's the way I look at it. And I could be way off and wrong and I'll probably get a bunch of hate mail now on Twitter or whatever, whoever, if anyone actually follows this and, and listens. I, I, I doubt it. Um, if, if anybody who listens to this uh, listens to my other stuff, they they know that I'm kind of down for the cause and realistic about things. But it's just something I've, I saw and not necessarily something I agreed with, but I was like, all right, that's a different way to look at it. And, uh, you know, it's always good to sort of see how other people see it. You don't have to necessarily adhere to that or adapt to that. But it's like, all right, that's another thing. So victory laps. Um, I need to take one. And uh, Sharon. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I, I said offline that I think we both get to take one because I think I obviously was a hundred percent correct in the power broker stuff. Like they confirmed that the double agent yeah. stuff, however, is still something that could potentially come true. It was sort of she could be, she could not be. Is she good? Is she bad? Like what is she? And I honestly just think that she's uh, become so jaded that she's in it for herself. So whatever benefits her is what she's going to do. And getting a full pardon and going back to her old job that benefits her greatly yeah yeah because it it benefits her in both worlds so yeah it seems that way surely and i don't think that she's assuming you know assuming she was talking as the power broker she assuming we're assuming she's the power broker and she was talking to this criminal evil underworld um you know what's the potential that she's talking to nick fury and she's like, exactly. hey, I know that we're on the outs, but maybe now we have access to these things a different way. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that could be interesting. That's exactly right. And that's uh, that's the part that I, I took from it is we don't really know. Um, we don't really know who she was talking to, what capacity she was talking in, what hat she was wearing. All that we know is that she now has exclusive access as a U.S. government agent, essentially, or whatever it is that they put her back. I can't remember exactly the... That what they put her back in but one of the things that i think we can all agree with her is she has the ability to play all sides she can be uh she can act in a certain way that plays a role in whatever she needs to do to benefit her position at the time she did it the entire series and at the very end it was a master class and of course i'd accept the part and that's what i've been looking for this whole time when we know at least in some right. capacity she's like that ah, i don't really care yeah um can't yeah take... it's interesting um yeah no i was gonna say can't take a victory lap on the black panther stuff but you can uh expound on what you were going to expound on I, i'll take the elder <laughs> I, I would say it is interesting though it is you know this the series as a whole obviously a little more serious tone than wandavision um and good good because of that it kind of explores the different levels of marvel right how you can get kind of a, a little more fun a little more serious i did think it's interesting I, i'm interested to see how they're going to tie you know an agency like sword which existed in wandavision which took place before this timeline wise how they're going to tie its lack of engagement in any of this and this GRU, and I'm just interested to see how that all goes together because it seems like things are very fragmented, but I'm surprised they are, you know? Yeah, I would feel, feel that way 
uh, if we hadn't had the Guardians of the Galaxy, because as we've talked about before, uh, both of us were skeptical of how that would go, and then it became like the most important movie in the entire MCU because we found out what it in- we found out what an Infinity Stone was before we needed to before we knew that we needed to know what an Infinity Stone right. was. Basically, for those of us who are not fully up to to speed on the comic book lore, which I am certainly not, so I was kind of along for the ride on the MCU there. But um, so. We're we're done with that. Uh, overall grade for the show for you? Yeah, definitely. That's an A plus. I mean, they they hit that one out of the park. I would agree. Uh, better than Wandavision or just different? Uh, different. Okay. Um, I think traditionally for your casual viewer, it's probably better. Mm-hmm. I think for a, a lover of Marvel, I think it's one of those uh, different but equal. There were things about Wandavision I just thought were just incredible. Um, mm-hmm. The storytelling methods they used in WandaVision was creatively uh, outstanding. And the lighter, even though it was a bit of a dark idea, dark concepts, the lighter way which they handled it made it more of like a mystery um, was also great. You know, so I'd argue for me, they were equal in completely different ways, both outstanding shows. Yeah. And I think we've now set the tone for for what comes in the future. So let's let's kind of get into that because I think that that is worth worth noting. Um, we've talked a lot about Falcon and Winter Soldier, um, and I think we've put that to rest in terms of a conclusion. But we now have some things to look forward to. So, Captain America and Winter Soldier. What? Yeah, you got it. That's fine. <laughs> uh, um, but either way, we have Loki coming up in June, I believe, which is about a month away. Um, and then Marvel uh, was was happy enough to grace us with a bunch of announcements because they knew that we were delayed in getting this episode out to the masses, so we needed something to talk about. And they decided to announce every movie between now and May of 2023. So what we have in front of us is a pretty uh, meaty uh, timeline, I would say. And I, uh, I don't know if they are calling this... You know, I think they still call this the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it's whatever phase that they're in. I don't think they close the book on the last phase or did they call that the infinity phase and then they're calling this something else i don't know but uh... yeah i think this is phase four so i think this is the new phase i think okay infinity war was the end of the previous phase okay if i understand correctly yeah i just didn't know and the beginning of phase four was basically spider-man uh far from home which took place post endgame yes so uh, first thing about and if I'm Loki, wrong, people can tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. I don't know. I'll just Whatever. say it confidently, like I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you should, because that, that's the way that's the way I do it. Uh, I just did that in a presentation where I acted like I knew what I was talking about, but I actually was totally full of shit. So um, anyway, <laughs> that's what happened. Anyhow, so uh, I think in the announcements we we saw a lot of familiarity. Obviously, Loki's familiar. Uh, mm-hmm. Black Black Widow, Spider Man, Doctor Strange, Thor, Black Panther, Ant Man, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, all familiar. Uh, so I think yep. we kind of we have an idea of the tone of the movies that we're going to receive in regard to those. I think, um, and then you had some mm-hmm. stuff that's that's a little bit new, uh, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten mm-hmm. Rings, Eternals, uh, and the Marvels, yep. which I believe is mm-hmm. a Captain Marvel uh, is part of the Captain Marvel series. I think, uh, at least it looks like it. We haven't really I, got a lot of info. I think on it. it is. Yeah. So yeah, I, I have a feeling it may be a Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. Maybe even what's her name, Monica Rambeau. Uh, She's supposed to be in character. It, yeah. Maybe the three of them, or maybe yeah, something like that. So 
I like the fact that they have decided to put... Uh, they, they're starting us off with Black Widow, which is an old, uh, new edition. One that you and I are interested to see how it plays out. I don't have a emotional attachment to it outside of now knowing that Julia Louis-Dreyfus's character will be in it. Uh, and we'll kind of see what we see there. Mm -hmm. I, I can't imagine that they're doing this movie without setting up something for the future. I think that's the point. It's sort of... The way I see it, a transitional movie in that it's a familiar character that hasn't gotten the spotlight, uh, and we know that we know that Black Widow has a finite ending to her her character arc in the previous phase, uh, and I, I would assume that this yep. is a prequel that is going to set up something down the line, which I think would have happened already. Uh, in Julie, you know, Ju like we said, Julia Louis Dreyfus is supposed to be uh, introduced earlier. She got introduced later in uh, you know yep. Captain America and Winter Soldier. And so now we'll get more information on her, and I think that's probably what's going to be set up. Who knows? It could be a Hydra thing, because isn't it a whole Russia uh, storyline that they're going to? Yeah, but Hydra wasn't really Russia, was it? Because it wasn't... Or were they Russia? Was, yeah, they I were. guess the the Winter Soldier, I guess, took over in Russia. The question is, yeah, that'll be interesting to see if it's a Hydra-related theme. Uh, I wonder if there's a, 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 a kind of a mirror image thing going on in Russia, uh, like there was in the United States, where you have your Soviet forces that were all about, you know, the Soviet motherland. And then you had Hydra who was kind of playing both sides. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're just all about, they're the agents of chaos that were like, I don't really care about Soviet, the Soviet motherland. I care about Hydra and the Hydra grand world, you know, theory type thing, if you will. And then maybe there's a bit of a, I wonder if we're going to see that or, or something related to that. Yeah. Um, I think big yeah, picture though. I don't know. Black Widow is one of those ones where it's like, I'll, I'll go. I'll like to see it. I'm interested because I think it'll be a good action movie. It'll remind me probably of like this Cap this uh, Falcon Winter Soldier or, or the second Captain America movie. A little bit more of your your typical, uh, Marvel spy pure action movie probably than anything else. Exactly. But I think what they're doing is smart dipping our toes in the water again with some familiarity. And then the next two movies after that are complete unknowns, or at least completely new right. characters, completely new subject matter. And uh, both of them look completely different, but yet somehow intriguing. I mean, I think that a, uh, I'm, I'm kind of in for a martial arts uh, movie in the Marvel Universe. I think that could be absolutely badass. Uh, they've shown that when Mar uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, that they can do action scenes extremely well. So now add... Uh, badassery of martial arts to it and i think that could be a lot of fun i don't really know a whole lot about uh the the story again i mean unless they've made sort of mention to the 10 rings in in previous movies and i just you know missed it i mean they i mean they the 10 rings you know you talk about the mandarin and the 10 rings is a, you know typically oh, in the right. iron man franchise yes, from what I, understand. Right. I think i remember the the first I, iron man movie you had the 10 rings were the people who were kind of like behind the scenes of kind of pulling the strings on Obadiah, whatever his name was, the mm -hmm. the guy within Stark Industries and all that stuff. But we didn't explore it much. And then you had like kind of the fake Mandarin, if you will, in the third Iron Man movie. Um, so I think what we're going to get here is the actual Ten Rings and maybe the the real Mandarin uh, kind of being explored and seeing like, you know, this, that agency. So I, I imagine they are similar to Hydra in the sense of they are a underground uh, evil organization something so, like uh something dr it, evil would run i don't know <laughs> is it fair to say that um we're a lot of what is happening is focused on earth for the time being and then it's going to do the same thing that it did in the last 
uh, in the last story arc where it kind of got spacey after a certain point? Or is Eternals something different? Because you've mentioned that Eternals is probably going to be like uh, tight. You know, you're going to hear know a little bit more about like Titans like Thanos from that uh, movie. Yeah, so from what I, and I don't know much about Eternals at all. I've never, I, I'm not a comic book guy. So all I've read is I've read a couple of the stuff from Marvel that they've released. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the comments from, from the creator, from the NCU creator, Kevin Page, was that they created this thousand year story that is the Eternals that talks about this creation to modern day. And so I think that's going to be your bridge movie that's going to kind of bridge the, the space universe side of marvel and the earth stuff because it's going to probably take place mostly on earth but it's going to involve characters from away that's my thought and to your point there's not a lot of star power in the sense of a uh singular focal point in terms of celebrity of the people that are involved in it it's a lot of people who we know from other works that are you know either funny or or what have you right but uh but even the guy from silicon valley um you know i know who he is because i watched it but it's not as if he's uh, he doesn't like move the needle in terms of uh, some of the people that they've had uh you know involved in it's interesting to see you know his his body transformation his his you know for this role almost shockingly it's gonna make you wonder is he gonna still be able to be is he gonna do a comic type role in this thing as he did silicon valley so well or is he gonna be more a typical action star type role it'd be interesting to see how that kind of plays out because it's you know that's an interesting uh choice of character you know how much comic relief is he gonna be he's gonna look the part of a of an action hero now you know after his his body transformation so interesting to see how that's gonna play out the other thing that's great about it is the actor who played Guilfoyle was the teacher in Spider-Man Far From Home. So, uh, you know, in, in the beginning of the movie when they're on the bus and they're going to some, you know, like a field trip or something like that. I think the actor who played Guilfoyle is actually yeah. Peter Parker's teacher in it. So you've got both guys from Silicon Valley. He is. Right. It is. Yeah. <laughs> and is I was. funny, actually. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's too bad. It's too bad that he plays such a secondary character because it would be amazing if um one of their characters drove a tesla in like the only you know the only like interaction that they ever had to bring it back to that whole thing would be just fantastic for anybody who has not seen silicon valley you should totally watch it it's completely inappropriate uh great comedy and uh totally worth your viewing time uh rest in peace to that show because it's been off the air for a little while yeah so anyway uh so we got eternals so we got some new stuff that i'm looking forward to and then they really hit us with a lot of the familiarity again and uh, I think the one that I, yep. there's there's a couple that I'm I'm intrigued by. I, I'm very intrigued by the multiverse of multiverse of madness, basically because it seems as if WandaVision is going to go right into that in a way uh, that yep. that is going to be good. And also, Spider-Man called No Way Home makes me wonder if that's going to also be uh, involved in that as well. So I, I'm I'm intrigued by that one. Um, the, I love the the font that they chose for. Uh, Thor Love and Thunder because it reminds me of the Thundercats. So I, I don't know yeah, if that's like going to have 1980s like hair metal. Like it just. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I, I'm kind of here for that. Um, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I, I'm interested in that one because we don't know what they're going to do. And the reason no. I'm interested, uh, the same same director uh, is going to be, be doing it. So obviously, you know, uh, you know, it's going to be solid directing, solid storytelling. But yeah, what what are they going to do? Because the title would suggest that they are focusing less 
on the character of Black Panther and more on uh, everything in Wakanda, which will be interesting mm -hmm. because Wakanda in, in general, a lot of things happened around it, but it's still a relative unknown in terms of its global capacity to help the the you know the Avengers, right. so to speak. And, and that's where I think they're going to focus their, their time on personally so uh yeah, we'll uh, see what happens with that because they have some decisions to make that i'm sure they've already made uh but if they go down that route it will be nice to get a deeper dive into some of those other characters that we really didn't get a a good glimpse into they were a part of the battles and so forth but um you know we did i mean that, that's just what they have to do because um you know chadwick boseman is no longer with us there's nothing they can do about that yeah yeah exactly so i think i think that's a it, it it seems like they, they that has driven that decision. The title, especially, it makes sense that you know if they're going to lose the black the guy who's playing Black Panther so quickly. They're going to have to refocus that that series towards like the idea of Wakanda and the idea that maybe is that you know the Black Panther lives on, you know, because the Black Panther represents Wakanda and an ideal, and that's that's got to be what they're going for there. Which is, I mean, it, they're forced into it, but it, it's a good idea. You know, mm -hmm. it's a good way to recover. Well, especially since um, Black Panther is is different in my mind than a lot of the other characters, because while, yes, Captain America represents our country, Captain America is a singular uh, character, whereas the Black Panther is tied to the royalty and the history of Wakanda itself like that that they're you know what I mean it's almost akin to being right. Jewish so to speak like you are born that way you're born into that as a Wakandan and, and how they go about choosing their next ruler is um, you know as part of their history so it makes sense to deep dive into what Wakanda is about especially if they go back a little bit and then bring you forward like you can kind of see because we really don't know much about it until uh, was it Civil War was the first time that they it was really brought brought up and you yep. knew that they had vibranium you knew uh, that it was stolen and so forth but the history of it before then would be kind of fascinating especially if it ties into the future because I have to assume that um, their technological advances are just going to continue to grow and they're going to be able to be a big part of the solution to whatever it is that the big problem is going to be in this phase of the universe yeah agreed so uh, we have all that. And then um, I, so I have a question because uh, Ant-Man and Wasp Quantum Mania, it's called. So we've got we, we seem to have sort of a theme a little bit here because the quantum is is interesting. It's it's very similar to like a multiverse where you can kind of get lost in it. Um, and we saw that in Endgame. So it sounds like they're going to be exploring that more. We're going to be exploring the multiverse a lot more. There's movies called No Way yeah. Home. Does it seem like whatever uh, th whatever is going to happen as the larger villain is going to come out of something like that? Like they're almost going to explore these different realms of reality, and almost like in Star Trek: The Next Generation, they're going to like accidentally uh, discover something, like the Borg, for instance, when they accidentally discovered it because Q was an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're. I think you're. I think you're right on. Yeah. I mean, that's just kind of where I, sorry, I had to uh, pause there uh, as I was choking. Um, I think you're right on. I mean, it, it, it definitely seems like that is where they go. I think I think something to do with this, whether it was the time travel of in-game, the multiverse that's going to happen in Doctor Strange and possibly in, in Spider-Man, uh, the effects that are being made by some of these, these more powerful 
uh, Marvel beings, maybe the stuff that Loki has done when he created an alternate timeline, things like that. Um, I think all that stuff is going to tie into, it's going to bring about something. You know, it's kind of like, you know, I think Iron Man alluded to it or Tony Stark alluded to it in game when he said, when you, when you mess with time, it tends to mess back with you. So I have a feeling that maybe they're going to try to tie that back into this whole story. Is Now, we were supposed to believe that what Steve did at the end of Endgame reset everything the way that it was supposed to. However, he deviated from the course because he inserted himself back into a timeline that he was no longer a part of, really. Um, you know, the way that he he, right. he should have been, he should have lived and died a generation well before Endgame ever happened. He didn't. So theoretically speaking, that is now his timeline, right? So when he goes back to be with Peggy... Right. Even though he did it in a way that sort you know reset what they had what they had to reset at the end of it, he still kind of threw a kink into it. So it makes you wonder if if little things like that are going to be why this you know multiverse quantum uh, leaping sort of thing is the focal point of it because there's gonna start to be little things here or there. It's kind of like a like in Back to the Future when everything was cool until he met his mom and then all of a sudden it's like, well, that changed everything. And Steve staying back, right? Technically, could change a lot because unless he stayed in his house for the rest of his life and never saw another person, uh, every interaction that he has is changing the timeline incrementally, little bits, little bits, little bits. In theory, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's yeah, I, I think so, and I think that's it gives him infinite possibilities of uh, of kind of storytelling to do going forward, which I think will make it very interesting. I think it really opens up like. It's just so there's just so much on the table now. It'd be very interesting to see how they how they what they do with it. Yes. So Thor. Um, we know that Thor is with the Asgardians of the Galaxy as of Endgame. We know that. However, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is uh -huh. the last movie in this entire series. So we get a Thor movie ahead of that. We do know that um Mm -hmm. Natalie Natalie Portman is supposedly supposed to take the mantle of Thor. I think we we at least uh, have confirmed something to that effect, right? Um, so yeah, rumor, they... rumor has it. Yep. Yeah, rumor has it, as Adele would say. And uh, what, uh, like, so what, what are they? What do you speculate they're going to do there? Because Thor seems to have fulfilled I... his his destiny, so to speak, because he he they righted the wrong of what he felt like was his fault when he didn't kill Thanos the first time. Um. I think we'll see the Guardians in the Thor movie for a small, for a bit. I think that'll be part of it, probably setting that movie up. And then I, I'm thinking they may, you know, whatever happens in that movie, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, I'm betting Thor will not be in that one. I would bet. But I don't know. You know, we, we don't really know what's going to happen in Thor Love and Thunder. Will it be, you know, will he take on the mantle of like kind of an Odin and, and she takes on the mantle of a Thor? I don't, I don't know how that works in the in the lore or any of that stuff so uh yeah. it'll be interesting to see um i think it's great it's it's uh obviously it's taita wakiti again wakita wakiti how do you say his last name yeah wakiti. he's the new zealand director he's the guy who directed uh uh ragnarok and mm -hmm. uh the guy if, if you watch uh one of my favorite television shows uh what we do in the shadows uh he directs that as well viewers uh feel free if you want to laugh at a, some really dark weird humor uh, i recommend <laughs> what we do in the shadows on fx it's great stuff uh so he so brings I, that humor kind of in, into the into the universe you are right about um you know 
the the whole timeline thing so this is all the movies that we have but obviously the first thing that we all have to watch ahead of time is is loki which comes out first um and just looking at the synopsis or the premise on on wikipedia it looks like that alternate version of loki is the version that we are going to get and he is essentially faced with the choice of being deleted from existence or to help um fix the timeline and stop a greater threat so just looking at that premise makes me right. feel so much more confident in my prediction that timelines and uh, quantum leaps and multiverses are going to be a heavy, heavy, heavy uh, factor in this series coming up. But uh, one thing I had, I had not paid attention at all to Loki. So I know obviously who plays Loki. Uh, obviously, I know a lot about Loki because I felt like Loki was one of the more compelling characters in the MCU up until now. Um, and obviously, we yeah. saw his death in Infinity War. Um I think yeah it wasn't infinity war it's at the beginning and but i noticed that owen wilson is on the latest movie poster so um not somebody who i would have pinned to be in a, a a marvel series at all and honestly i haven't thought of owen wilson in the longest time and i think of him in those really weird quirky roles that he always had and it looks like he's going to be playing some yeah. variant of a i don't want to say he's not a villain i don't believe but uh he is a is Mobius and I think Mobius. he seems like a, almost like an administrator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like a, an administrator or an agent of the Time Variance Authority, I think is what the TVA is, uh, which you see in the previews and stuff. But mm-hmm. you're right. He does seem to play kind of a quirky, kind of his typical style of character, you know, like half straight guy, half funny guy, you know. It'd be very interesting. Do you think that it serves... So I, him better to be what he normally is or do you think that this might be the start of a career resurgence for him and thinking about going you know being a part of a marvel series whether it's a movie or or a mini series i mean that's like about as big time film as you get these days because that's really what we do we either make small films that are sort of nuanced that go to the oscars that nobody watches or we make action movies that are comic book movies so being in a comic book movie is the antithesis of of quote unquote selling out and doing tv so to speak uh because it's it's bigger than tv right so i find this interesting only because they seem to be putting a lot of characters like this julie louis dreyfus is like this uh owen wilson and i can't remember um the guy from silicon valley all are we're used to seeing them play half straight, half kind of goofballs. So is that, I mean, that seems yeah. to be a theme here. And I, I'm, I'm curious because I hope that he's not the first instance of a bad casting choice. Yeah. You know, I, I think, uh, I think the interesting thing is, uh, maybe it's just the power of Marvel to really pull in people who just want to be a part of what I think they see is just kind of like, it seems like if you watch the behind the scenes and almost all these movies, they seem to, all the actors and actresses seem to enjoy making them because mm-hmm. they're kind of fun, right? They're, they're serious to a degree, but they're also a complete escape for a lot of people. And so I, I have to assume much like people like to watch stuff that maybe doesn't have to be all serious all the time or, you know, those things or, or since it's not always playing for exactly laughs like a comedy, you're not worried about, well, will this joke land or will this joke land? They kind of just get to enjoy being in the moment, you know, maybe. And so maybe this is just shows you the draw of Marvel is they can pretty much ask whoever they want to come in their shows. And people are like, yeah, I'll go do that character. Um, and then, you know, honestly, like, I, I don't know that they've, I mean, I guess you could argue the best, a perfect example of a bad casting. They'll happen right at the beginning. I mean, it, that would be 
you know, Edward Norton as Hulk in the first Marvel Incredible Hulk movie that was part of the MCU. That was really their first bad choice of uh, character uh, casting, if you will. Edward Norton is a phenomenal actor. He just didn't fit, you know? And so it's probably yeah. good he didn't come back. You know, what's funny about Hulk is they went through, like, Eric Banya is a good actor, right? He does a lot of, he's, he's done a lot of quality work. Didn't really fit the role. That was the, before the MCU ever existed, they made that Hulk movie with him in it. And then Edward Norton, who's right. like an yeah. Oscar winning or Oscar nominated uh, actor who we know is fantastic, can play any role. Like one of my favorite Edward Norton roles is Death to Smoochie. Have you ever seen that movie with Robin Williams? It's so good. It's so <laughs> damn good. I saw um, parts of that movie. Oh yeah. my God, so good. Uh, dark comedy at its finest. Robin Williams went through that period where he was a villain and it was I was here for it. I was totally here for it. Um, and that was in part of it, but he was <laughs> in that. And so he can do anything. And yet it falls flat. And I and Mark Ruffalo to me was about as forgettable as you could get when it comes to members of the MCU, only because the Hulk is about as forgettable as you can get when it comes to like there's nothing compelling about the Hulk, really. Uh, because in the grand scheme of things, how he got to be the Hulk and whatever relationships that got lost or tarnished in in the meantime don't really matter once you get to the larger fights, because what do you need him for? You just need him to be the Hulk, really. And there's right. limited there's there's like limited emotional connection that I feel that you can make with the Hulk. So I think the actor is sort of screwed either way because there's really not much you can do to be like, I mean, who, if you took a poll, if you went out into your neighborhood and was like, are you a comic book person? You said, who's your favorite character? Like nobody's saying the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Except maybe Lou Ferrigno. No, you're right. You're right. It's, it's a tough one. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's the power of what Mark Ruffalo is going to do with it. Is is he's he's existed in a way in that character that's made it watchable, likable, relatable, as much as you're going to get out of the Hulk. You know, well, we're we're apathetic to it, which means there's no negative reaction, which is a good thing because that's all we've had from the Hulk up until now is nobody right. liked either of those movies, and so now they're like, right. you know, we don't need to make another one of those. They don't, they're not really well received. Let's just pick somebody whose face people just don't want to punch. <laughs> because the movie stunk yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> but i like well let's just put that guy in yeah exactly and i like where you're going with this where marvel is now in the effort phase where they're just gonna say i can make anybody work and that speaks to really like the paradigm of where we are in television because stranger things did it in season two they're like let's pull paul riser off the scrap heap and give him a role and you know what it actually worked because I remember thinking like, wow, I haven't seen Paul Reiser since Mad About You. And that felt like it was about 50 years ago. And there's Paul Reiser looking just fine. Like Sean Astin was in it, but he we remember him because he's been in so much stuff over the years. I mean, two unforgettable right. roles is Samwise Gamgee and Rudy. Like he's pretty and the Goonies. He's pretty much like done. Like he, he doesn't have to do anything else. Like he's good. Yeah. Um, but I like where Marvel's yeah. going, where they're like, I think we can make anything work. And I think that until they fail, it's kind of like, you know, Bill Belichick as a coach, you just kind of trust it until all of a sudden it seems to not be working anymore. So if Owen Wilson comes in and is completely right. stupid, okay, all power to you. That didn't work out. But I have to I have to feel confident they're going to make it work because they've made everything stick to this point. Yeah, you know, I think it's because they have a grand story that they're telling and they have it planned out in advance. And I think because of that, they can take risks throughout the along the way as long as they keep the storyline intact and they focus on what it seems like they focus on telling a good story uh getting higher production value in everything they do 
um, not taking a shortcut just to get something out there and make money on it, if you will. Um, and, you know, like you said, unifying the, the, the universe together. So having that plan, I think when they keep to that, 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 the formula, it's, it's hard to fail because all you then do is you, you have your pick of, you have pick of the litter when it comes to actors. And so you can bring whatever actor you want in and you can have them read for you and you can be like, Hey man, I like you as an actor, but it's not going to work. See ya. Or they can bring in people who you wouldn't think would normally come do a, a comic book movie and, and they can make it really great with it. So I think they've, uh, you know, they've kind of earned the ability to do that. Kind of like Belichick has, you know, he's, he's earned the ability in, in the NFL of, of saying, I, I know how to put something together that works. Um, as long as I stay with the formula of what works, you know, and, the benefit that Marvel has over Bill Belichick is there's a lot less external influences that are going oh, to affect yeah. their ability to do that, you know? Well, yeah, but the idea is that you you earn that trust, that blind trust. But it's interesting. You said something in right. there that I, I, I picked up on, and I thought, do you remember pre-Iron Man, there was, like, no good comic book movies? Like, they were all panned right. or just... Uh, I argue, know. like, the, I argue the... The first two Batman movies that Tim Burton did in, in the 89, 92 time frame were decent. The first yeah. one especially, Batman with Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, I agree. and that was a good movie. But you know, like, there were fewer and far between. Like, we were right. We were not conditioned to, to want to see them because they really hadn't given us a good product. And you said something that I think the plan, the planning is so much where, where Marvel has done the best work because... I think all these other movie, comic book movies that attempted to be made to gain the public's eye didn't have a larger plan in place. But when they made Iron Man, I don't think they thought that it would be what it became, but it was the start of a plan. And they kind of used it as a tester to see what would right. happen. Like the amazing thing about Star Wars is that A New Hope was not meant to be anything but a singular movie. And even watching it now, you think it's amazing right. that that became the most rich franchise like of all time because they had no plan. Yeah. It just sort of <laughs> fell into their lap, which right. is why, which is why uh, George Lucas got to keep like all the rights because they were like, "Eh, you're good. We we don't need that." And now he's worth like yeah. forty billion dollars or some craziness like that. But Marvel right. has a plan, and you're absolutely right. Like they make these announcements, they're not just announcing a title; they have a storyline in place for this and they're not writing it on the fly like when they're trying to make these when they came out with the x-men series like the first time the first one was good but then they tried to like when you're trying to rush a sequel because the first one worked there's no plan there i don't think they had a finite plan there right. i think they kind of went with all right let's try to up the ante which is what every single sequel right. always tries and to remember, do that they wasn't to... that wasn't marvel either no right? it that wasn't was it wasn't exactly you know um but that's exactly you're right like up to this point a superhero movie was if i make a superhero movie it is an instant cash success it doesn't even have to be good i'm gonna make money on it and so people look at this this is a cash grab i'll just make it this is a I, it feels like when marvel studios decide hey we're gonna own the rights to our comic books these things that we you know we have they, they're created by you know Jack Kirby, Jack Kirby, is that right? And Stan Lee, like, hey, they tell really good stories. They tackle really tough issues. If we do this right, this could be more than just a cash grab. It could really mean something to people. It could really tell a story. It could really bring to light issues we want to bring to light in a way that is accessible to a variety of people across America. And I think that's what they've done. And if that wasn't their plan and they fell into it, they're the luckiest people on the planet. 
if it was their plan, then they're geniuses. Well, yeah. I mean, the more people that you can reach on a organic on an organic level, I mean, that's going to bring in money because what they have managed to do is they're, they're, they're not making a polarizing product. They're making something that feels inclusive, but not for the sake of inclusion, just because the stories that they're writing are all feeding off of each other and everything that they do, every move that they make is not to placate one base or the other. It's just what what services the story the best. And that's what they have to right. do. And I say this at work all the time where it's like, if we ever want to get better, we have to divorce ourselves from the ego and the personal pride of it. Like what's best for the mission? What's the best thing that we right. can do to get to the most streamlined path to success? It's not whatever I need to get the most credit. And that's what Marvel has done. They're like, right. we're not trying to please this crowd. We're not trying to please this crowd. But in Falcon and Winter Soldier, hey, let's speak to some systemic racism issues in you know, in the country, you know, in a way that's useful to right. the story, that makes sense to the story. Let's do that. Uh, right. Let's talk about let's talk about resources in Infinity War and Endgame right in a way that is yeah. useful to the story it feeds into the story but yet it relates back to us like i recently watched infinity war again and i was like man i totally didn't appreciate like how good all of that was because even though thanos was a villain man there was so much realism in what he was talking about his just his execution was was not good but what he was talking about limited resources you know and i'm like Ooh, he's not I wrong he's not wrong about that i think that marvel is on the right path i think that they are uh, they have the, the the long vision, the the, the uh, big picture outlook that they have is genius in that it's entertaining, it's an escape, but it also lets us think, and it's also not uh, pandering to anything. To me, it doesn't feel pandering. Like I know some people felt like Black Panther was pandering, but I think that's more of an age thing than a you know like where you are in life or whatever. I mean, you're not going to please everybody, but I think overall what they've done is they're making a crap ton of money because they have the forward thinking of having a legit plan. And I'm looking forward to it now. Like I remember at first, I was so not on board with the Marvel stuff at first. I was like, whatever. Like, yeah, I, me either. I, well, you know why? Because I was so jaded by the fact that we had had mostly crap comic book movies. Yeah. And then as I started to get into the MCU late, way late in the game, I watched it in chronological order. And I thought, man, they are really doing something here that I totally didn't think that they were doing. And now that I've reached the end of the series and I've watched now their two projects afterward, I'm all in until they prove me wrong. Right. No, I'm, I'm the same boat. I was never really, uh, you know, I didn't care about it at first. It really took me a little while to get into it. And I had to kind of start over and start watching again. And it's just, it's just really, again, same reason. Um, I just had seen so much crap. I was like, I don't like comic book movies. They're stupid. Uh, you know, they're always cheesy or they always do this wrong or I don't know. I say wrong, not like I knew what the comic books did, but it just doesn't feel like, you're like, eh. But I've thoroughly enjoyed everything they put out, even the stuff I didn't think I would like. Totally. All right, so uh, before we get you out of here, uh, I want your hot take on uh, Cowboys opening night against the Bucks. Uh, let's see, so a, a hot take, right? That means something. It's uh, So Dak Prescott's going to throw for 420 yards and four touchdowns, and the Cowboys are going to lose by three. Oh, wow. <laughs> Oh wow! Oh wow! I like I like where your head's at there. Um, I will say this: this is a hot take of mine. This is total BS that we are getting like a leaked uh, schedule game by game for week one. It's like just tweet out the damn schedule because that's all that I want to see. <laughs> However, 
Uh, I want the whole schedule, yeah. (laughs) However, the NFL has gotten absolutely vindictive in their scheduling for week one. Check out some of these matchups. These are are amazing. So, obviously, the Cowboys uh, get put on primetime against the Super Bowl champs. Uh, Totally feels like throwing it in Jerry's face uh, for not going after Tom Brady uh, hard in the offseason. Because, remember, there was a lot of talk about Jerry should go after Tom because you could win in the now. Um, yeah, two so, seasons ago, right? Before yeah, or, exactly. you know. Yeah, yep. yep, exactly. So so the Cowboys get the toughest matchup they probably could possibly get in the first week of the season, completely setting the tone in the worst possible way, unless it's a close game that they lose, you know, in not heartbreaking fashion. So uh, Jets playing the Carolina Panthers with new quarterback Sam Darnold. Fantastic matchup there. Um, yep, awesome. That's good TV it. right there. I, I love it. Uh Packers playing the Saints, it's almost vindictive because it's almost like the NFL knows that the Packers are not going to be playing with Aaron Rodgers, and so they're going to get their asses completely handed to them on prime time. Uh, Who, love that. Who's going to be the quarterback for the Saints? Remind me again. I don't know, actually. That's a great question. I think they have taken Yeah, uh, Exactly. Every... That has the potential to be a complete flop of a game because mm-hmm. you're not going to have Aaron Rodgers and you're not going to have Drew Brees. And I'm just wondering, who's going to be playing quarterback for these two teams? I don't know if that game's going to be any good. <laughs> Absolutely could be, but I thought that was some brutal, brutal uh, scheduling. Other games, too, that I, I, I noted that I saw, uh, and this is great because of our live Twitch thing, was uh, the Bears are playing are being hosted by the Lions on Thanksgiving. So Justin Fields could absolutely torch uh, Panay Sewell and the uh, Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving Day, their game that they are historically terrible at. Um, I, I, <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. I was like, wow, that's great. That is so. You don't believe so that? You don't wait, wait. You think that? You think Justin Fields going to start? You think the Red Rockets going to going to take the Bears to the Super Bowl this year? I think <laughs> my prediction on the Chicago Bears is this: um, they are going to start Andy Dalton at the beginning of the season, mainly because they paid him ten million dollars. So that's a very hefty price to pay for a guy to, to back up. However, I think Andy Dalton's ceiling is what it is. He's a perfectly mm-hmm. serviceable backup quarterback in today's NFL. He he has passed his prime. No shade on him whatsoever. Uh, we saw him in no. his best years, and unfortunately for him, his best years were spent as a Cincinnati Bengal. And yeah. had his best years been spent with almost any other franchise, he probably would have been a much more highly regarded uh, quarterback in his career than he will be when he finally retires. So I think he will Agreed. be serviceable. Agreed. Uh, they have no weapons in Chicago whatsoever. When it comes, they have Allen Robinson, who doesn't want to be there because he's been franchised. So he's looking for a payday after this year's over. Um, and I think Justin Fields is just going to end up starting because Andy Dalton has the ceiling that. And and the thing is, the Bears, the GM, and the coach, they need this year. This is their year. They're going to get fired if they don't win. And so they're going to have to take a chance. So I can oh, yeah. totally see Fields starting well before Thanksgiving and him torching the Lions in Detroit on Thanksgiving, which will be must-watch television for, for me, at least. Uh, yeah. I thought that was so vindictive. Just yeah. so vindictive. And that's why I yeah. think the NFL is totally, like, it's amazing because you know who these teams are going to be playing, and yet it's like they did it on purpose. Uh, another matchup, uh, Bucks will travel to Foxborough in week four. So that's going to be fun. Oh, that'll be interesting. That'll be a good one. I agree. I, and the reason why I think it's going to be interesting is because I think everybody's going to play up the Belichick-Brady thing, and it's going to be a complete non-story because neither of them actually gives a shit about any of that, and they just want to win a football game. That's my personal take on it. Right. And it'll be completely overblown if the Bucks beat the Patriots, even though 
on paper, the Patriots are completely mismatched by the Super Bowl champions because the Super Bowl champions oh, yeah. did, did what Super Bowl champions normally don't do, and they signed every single friggin' player from their Super Bowl champion team. Yeah, they did because their quarterback took a took a uh, decided not to get paid because he's exactly. he's playing with house money at this point. It's uh, yeah. it's amazing what can happen when you're when the highest paid position on your team takes a pay cut and allows other people to get paid because he's got so much money and so many rings he doesn't care. Exactly. Yeah, and, and that yeah, it, it, the thing is like historically we're going to look back on all this and people are going to say look what the Bucks did. And the answer is this is such an anomaly because no other team in history is going to get a 42-year-old quarterback and possibly win two Super Bowls in two years and then he's just going to cut bait. Like it's no. an absolute win move now and they already won one. So in theory, the experiment worked. Like it's it, that's, that's all you asked for, right? That's yeah, it worked perfectly. For it is one. And so yeah. if they don't win it this year, who cares? Because they won it last year. And these teams that are salivating for even a Super Bowl appearance would absolutely take what happened last year and mortgage the farm for that one win. But unfortunately for them, Tom gets to choose where he goes. And he's like, I'm going to Florida because no taxes, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that matters. <laughs> uh, that matters, too. So... Um, I think that I can't wait for yeah. the schedule to come out, but I want to hear it. The other thing that's notable about week one is apparently the Giants are underdogs at home to the Broncos, who currently have, like, no quarterback. So that tells you everything you need to know about, hey, the Giants look good in their offseason off season acquisitions. They still suck. Yeah, I'm not I'm not high on the Giants. I think Daniel Jones is, is not great. Uh, he'll turn the ball over. That's my thing with him. And then... I mean, they'll have Saquon Barkley back, but I think that, like, you know, you can stop. We've we learned this. If you don't have a, enough threat at the quarterback and the, and the receiver position, um, or you can't protect the quarterback, it doesn't matter what running back you put back there. You can stop that. And then, you know, their defense is just not there yet either. I, I'm not. Yeah, I, that is interesting that they're underdogs. Maybe maybe Vegas knows something we don't. Maybe Rodgers is going to be starting for the Broncos on week one, and that's why. So apparently – uh, I was just talking to, to, to Dave about this, and apparently if they did adjust for it, basically Aaron Rodgers, you consider him worth three points, which is a ton in terms of, like, the spread or whatever, that if they if they adjusted it for Aaron Rodgers being on the team, uh, the game, like, right now the game is essentially a push, and it would just make it, like, a blowout, essentially, if he was on it. So, like, they haven't even adjusted for it yet, and they still think the Broncos are better than the Giants, which is just great. And Vegas usually wow. is right. Like Vegas usually doesn't get it wrong, horribly wrong. Yeah. Like, if that makes sense, like horribly wrong. Um, and in this, I just thought that was notable because I'm like, Gettleman needs this. Uh, Daniel Jones needs this season because they're all going to get fired. Like they're all going to get let go, and the Giants are going to start all over again. And this draft. Yeah, as, as a Cowboys see, fan, there's 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 very few things I wish for more than the Cow the Giants to be terrible this year. Uh, and the other thing I, I wish for more than that is the Eagles to be terrible for this year, and it seems like that's very possible. I was going to say what you're going to get, um, because they, they, they don't really have a plan either. So anyway, Mike, um, I'm happy we finally got to sort of put all this to bed, so to speak. But, uh, you know, I apologize to the listeners for being so late. But you know what? Things happen for a reason, <laughs> and um, I think it was fun anyway. And I'm, I'm glad you had so much fun uh, at the draft a couple weeks ago, because I thought that was hilarious. And um, everybody who listened, including <laughs> your dad, completely—it was fun. He complete. Your dad completely enjoyed himself. Like he was giddy telling me about how much he enjoyed himself the next day. 
And he's like, you took a shot at Jerry Jones. Okay. I just, I just had to laugh. And I was like, I mean, I'm like, what, the billionth person to take a shot at Jerry Jones? So what's, and I, but I said, hey, I took a shot at Bob Kraft too. So uh, I'm willing to take shots at just about <laughs> yeah. Happy endings, my friend. Happy yeah. endings. All right, man. I appreciate your time. Yeah, Bob Kraft blew his shot all over the place. Yeah, yeah in, a, <laughs> in a strip mall in Florida, which I don't get. Um, whatever. It's his choice, not mine. And I don't oh, make choice. But I definitely appreciate your time, um, and I'm glad we got to wrap this up. And I hope you can come on again because I think we have some fun stuff that we could talk about, especially once Loki comes back. So I think we should re- resurrect this uh, in a month or so whenever Loki's back and um, have a good time with it. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what we can do. It's going to be weird. We'll be in between places and moves and all that stuff. But if we can make it work, we'll make it work. I think we can. So I appreciate everybody's time, listeners. Yeah. Everybody have a great rest of your day, and I will talk to you next time.